0: One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, how do you bridge all the activities you have to do in your operations and how to focus on what matters? This episode is dedicated to answering that question. So listen in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to episode 13, season 4, we discussed recirculating aquaculture systems with JLH Consulting. Welcome to season 4, episode 14 of The Business of Aquaculture. This episode, let's welcome Deborah Hellbach, who is the manager of the Center for Seafood Innovation. Welcome again to the show, Deborah. Thank you. Nice to be here again. It's great to have a repeat guest, then we can dive in some more.
1: (laughs) I'm much smarter this time. I've been in my job for a whole year now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She loves helping people make and market good food by connecting them with expertise and resources. She identifies research, market development, and process optimization projects to enhance competitiveness. She has worked for private industry, federal and provincial governments, and as a business owner. Her secret powers are broad experience, amazing connections, and focusing on what matters. Welcome again, Deborah. Thank you, Lourdes. I like that you said that you're smarter. Okay. I think you're always smart, but let's see how you got in smartest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, after, I mean, when I started, I think, when was that? November or something? Yeah, November last year. Yeah, so I I had only been in my position for about six months at that point. So yeah, I guess I was smart from my past experience, but I've learned a lot about DIU and a lot about the seafood sector while I've been in this position. So in that sense, you know, I'm a little bit smarter. I did a lot of touring around, I think we've had five events now. So quite a few, you know, a couple hundred people have come through or let's talk seafood and eat at two events. We've had increasing industry interest in those events as well. And we're planning a seaweed challenge, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. So that's coming up where we're having microbiology students and culinary students joining forces to develop some fermented seaweed products. And then we're going to have a really, really fun event to feature what they come up with. So I'm very excited about that. And like I said before the interview, we're looking at expanding the Let's Talk Seafood series. So where we held our events at Deep Bay, and we brought in typically around 30 consumers to to each of our events. We had, I guess, two of the events, we had 50 people come. This time, what we're looking at doing is including other campuses that have culinary programs. So that would be Powell River... Powhatan or Duncan, uh, Nanaimo, and we're hoping to bring North Island College in as well. So that would give us another four sites that we could do these events. So so like I say, we should be looking at six, 700 people that would be exposed to what we're doing through the Let's Talk Seafood events. And that's really what we're doing is we're featuring research that's being done towards a sustainable seafood sector. And then we're serving a meal based on that discussion. And then we have chefs come out and give a talk on how to prepare that seafood. So we're hitting a lot of marks there. You know, we're demonstrating research that's being done that's of interest to both the industry and consumers to help with public perception issues. And then also to increase consumption by teaching people how to prepare seafood.
0: So that's amazing. Really well you actually answered what my first question is going to be this is the vision for center of for seafood innovation is how to tie up the, i guess the innovation part you mentioned research and what is happening in the seafood itself and then bringing it into the masses to see how i call it society 5.0 where it's very experiential it's not just science but there's yeah. actually, you know they get to taste what it's actually happened to the seafood not just from conceptualization but they can the census are involved is what I wanted to say.
1: So what's happened in the past year is I've really honed in on what we're working on and what we can work on and what's of interest to the industry. We started out looking at, you know, we, we needed to do value-added aquaculture, value-added seafood, and that's still very much of interest. However, we have many other challenges to get through before we get there. And so what we've moved towards, yes, applied research, we're working on applied research projects where we work with faculty, students, and businesses, but we're really honing in a lot on public education, which is market development, and workforce attraction. So, you know, we're seeing that the labor shortage, the regulatory system, those are things that are real obstacles to growth in the industry, and how can we help as an innovation center? And I believe that we can do that through public education and workforce attraction. So that's where we're really focused in.
0: Yes, you just echoed what most of the guests mentioned as well. In this aquaculture industry, 80% of the work is the public education and that is not A small chunk of the activities that aquaculturists have to do. There's this continuing education that needs to happen to all the stakeholders that are involved because it's still very much a sunrise industry. We're in, Mm -hmm. not everybody knows what we're doing. So that's great. In that line, what are you seeing as a future trend in a sustainable aquaculture business?
1: You're really limiting by giving me only one. but i if i if i have to say one trend i would say differentiation which captures many different things right so you know going back to the value added and value added means many different things right so i mean we need to differentiate our products from other products from other jurisdictions within the domestic and the international market so we have to show that our products are different and better somehow and how can we capture more value from less, essentially, which is more applicable to wild harvest? You know, in aquaculture, we should be seeing our, our landed amounts increasing. You know, it's, we have a ways to go in that regard, but we need to capture more value regardless if it's increasing or it's stable or even declining. We need to capture more value for each unit that we're producing. And so how do we do that? We need to create value-added products, different packaging. We need to do some research or explore research that's being done on different types of packaging. The single-use plastic is definitely going to affect the aquaculture industry. How do we get around that? Or how do we find solutions? And then creating waste or creating products from traditional waste products. You know, that's another thing. And are there any new species that we can be producing, which of course comes with all kinds of regulatory issues, but differentiation. And then in that regard, we also have to differentiate the industry from a job perspective. So, how do we differentiate aquaculture from past and current perceptions of, you know, being low skill, hard jobs, boring jobs? How do we change that so that we can attract? People into the industry? If we want to attract talent, is there any way of bringing in automation so that we can then have ladder jobs where low skilled people can come in and learn how to use the equipment and see a future for themselves? What are those options? But we just can't keep going the way we're going now. The industry is not viewed as a top choice for somebody coming in with, you know, looking for new jobs. Or, you know, can we? Learn from, there's been labour market studies done for other sectors, and it's something that I really believe that the aquaculture business sector in BC should be doing, is a labour sector market analysis to see, you know, what is the state and what can we copy, what can we learn from other sectors to make our sector more attractive to young people, to entrepreneurs, to investors, so on and so forth. And so we can do this labor sector market study through the Ministry of Advanced Education, but it's just a matter of getting the industry on board to do something like that.
0: Well, I'm in. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm glad the job was from you. Well, let's,
1: you know, let's talk about that, because I I have been, I mean, I've only been here a year and a bit now, right, a year and a half, and I have been talking about this since the day I started, and I haven't been able to secure the masses to, you know, to actually say, let's go ahead and do this study.
0: Yeah, it's interesting what you mentioned about the perspective of the masses looking from outside that aquaculture jobs are viewed as either low skill boring job and you mentioned one more what was the other one that you mentioned hard hard yes and so when you brought in automation and it's fascinating actually after covid hits that we're actually finding people who want to pivot their career looking into aquaculture in fact case on point is our new maintenance technician used to be a chef which was
1: wow,
0: <laughs> and so he wanted to move from what he was doing, obviously for quite some time, and then just really wanted to start from scratch. And was saying that he's really seeing himself long term to be in the aquaculture industry. So I'm very interested in this labor sector market study. So thank huh. you for that. Out.
1: And I love that example because when we bring in students for our projects, so remember the oyster challenge, you came to that, right? And we took the culinary students to the oyster farm and, you know, explained to them how this could be a job opportunity for them, especially, you know, where we're doing genetic research to produce different varieties and stuff like that. Like a chef with a culinary background is just fantastic in that role. And so that's where this workforce development, you know, I'm not just talking like it's true. Like you can see that these students, these young people, when they're exposed And they come with different ideas, you know, that gets us out of maybe the traditional way of looking at things, you know. And often when we did the Oyster Challenge, we had quite a few international students in that group as well. And so they were looking at it from the perspective of what they knew from their country. And again, had different ideas that maybe, you know, some of these things could help the industry succeed. Certainly, if they go into this as a career, it would be helpful. So yeah. great. Excellent. Yeah.
0: Well, we're seeing more and more people interested, I think maybe because they're, they know that aquaculture is going to fill in the vacuum of what's going to happen in the fishing industry. But you also mentioned a very important point about automation. So maybe from a perspective of the seafood innovation, what are some of the, okay, I'll give you maybe two more because you said I'm only asking you for one. <laughs> so go ahead and... Talk from that, I guess, topic of automation in terms of seafood innovation.
1: Off the top of my head, I don't, you know, I don't have a specific machine or equipment that I could tell you about, but I do know that innovation centers, like food innovation centers in Quebec, in Newfoundland, in Nova Scotia, in PEI, are all working on the labor issue, and how how they're working on the labor issue is with automation solutions, and so they're working on. automation solutions for the industries there. So lobster for different species of crab than what we have here. However, what they're learning and what they're developing could be modified, could be made relevant to our sector as well and to our aquaculture people. And of course, I know that people involved in aquaculture are are, very globally aware of what's happening. So there are technologies and automation opportunities in other sectors that we could learn from and bring them to BC as opposed to just developing them from scratch. And if we do need to develop new things from scratch, we have, you know, at VIU and at other post-secondary institutions, we have the engineering and the mechanical capacity. I'm not saying that, you know, you could come to me tomorrow and that we could do this project, but if We knew that that was an interest then we could work towards those kinds of solutions. That's not a succinct answer, but, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of solutions out there that we're not aware of or we haven't captured. And the industry is probably hesitant to invest in some of these things, given the other constraints that they have.
0: Well, it's interesting because Aquaspark last year, July of last year, released a report on impact that the aquaculture brings into the table and they as you know is very much in the vanguard and a trailblazer in the aquaculture industry but i'm also finding not just because of the impact but also technologies they've learned and i think mastered the way of collaboration with partnering with the other companies to bring forth more technology and i can send you those reports and for our listeners if you're interested in Sure that, yeah it's it's available but What was interesting, but you were also mentioning about Quebec, because I'm also finding with Web3, Vancouver is also on the top three countries, well, in Canada anyway, that's been in the vanguard as well of what's happening in the market in terms of these new technologies. So it's very fascinating that sometimes we as aquaculturists think that we're very traditional that we're behind but there are some like you mentioned in quebec happening that not a lot of people know i was talking to alvin capital who was one of the panel speakers in the seafood investor forum that i attended in new york last may and they were also talking about the same thing there were some things that are happening in canada that a lot of aquaculturists here maybe even in north america know is happening just because it's not spotlighted but Maybe this show is now able to inform the public. You mentioned public education. That's our podcast promise here is you'll get the best in terms of what's happening in the aquaculture industry. So my last question to you is, what's one thing you can advise a leader in this industry, you being a leader yourself? I think this is what
1: I said last time as well, but communications. you know, So communications and public education, which we've spoken about quite a bit. It just seems to be more and more and more and more important. In fact, the industry, the aquaculture industry, and I guess we're looking mostly at farm, the salmon farming industry. But it, you know, it, it seems to be reactive as opposed to proactive. You know, and so somebody says something negative, and then we react to it, and by then it's really too late. And a lot of what's being communicated is preaching to the converted, right? So there's a lot of really good information. And I understand why that is, right? I mean, there's just tradition. It's just gotten too far, and it's very hard to fix at this particular point. But we have this urban population that is not tied to the sea or to the seafood industry. And there have been studies between the Pacific and the Atlantic, and demonstrating what the differences is. Like we don't have the turmoil in the Atlantic that we have here in the Pacific. Why is that? How can we get ahead of that? And I actually did an interview with R Aquaculture and they they're doing some, I don't know if it's then, it's not then, but they she she provided me with some information that's being Julie from Sage. The woman I talked to was Marta, actually, but she sent me some information. I think it's US and Norwegian based, but it's entertainment education, right? Which I, I love entertainment education. And the story I tell is when I was doing my master's in communication, I read some research where they compared two ways of trying to prevent teenage pregnancy. So one was the flyers and leaflets that are in a doctor's office, you know, the fact sheets and that, you know, these are the reasons why you shouldn't get pregnant and stuff like that. And the other was a sitcom, so a comedy About a teenage girl who gets pregnant and what that meant. And they compared the audiences and they found like the the, the sitcom was so much more effective at preventing this than these leaflets and flyers. And we're still in this leaflets and flyers stage, right? When I see what we're presenting, it's facts and figures, You know, we provide this many jobs, we bring this much GDP, we do this, we do this, blah, 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 right? I mean, the consumers, they listen to the sensational stuff. And so how do we counter that sensational stuff so that people listen? And unfortunately, it's not facts and figures that people listen to. They listen to what entertains them.
0: Absolutely. It's fascinating that you mentioned that because almost 20 years ago, there's actually a term from one of my mentors, he called it edutainment, which is exactly what you were talking about, entertainment, education, but I love when you were talking about, you know, from the job perspective. So that's my biggest takeaway from this episode. When we try to pivot the rebranding of aquaculture industry, that it's not just low scale, it's boring and it's a hard job because there's a lot of automation that's happening. People who are younger are interested in what's happening in the sunrise industry. So thanks again, Deborah. I really appreciate your time today. How can they get in touch with you?
1: They can get in touch with me at dot hellback at viu.ca or visit our website which i'm hoping will have a better url soon but it's center for i think it's seafood innovation uh, viu center for seafood innovation but yeah they can get in touch with me or linkedin actually i'm on linkedin there's a lot of people get in touch with me
0: that way Sounds great. Well, thank you again for your time today to our listeners. Remember, you help build a home in the Philippines via b1g1.com for every episode, so share away. See you next week. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks again, Deborah. Thanks. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.